Ladina Doherty. Okay, okay, okay. Anthony stole literally all my announcements. That was pretty rude. I'm not going to say much, Ladina, but we're done, so let's pray and close. He's already done. Try to steal my message. Try to steal the announcements. So who really likes the attention? I don't know. I'm joking. It's in, just kidding. Um, sorry, my thing's special. Okay. So um, my name is Ladina Doherty. As Pastor Anthony graciously let everybody know, I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Fellowship Church. And I'm going to do a quick recap, just kind of get us going. I want to hit the ground running so we can get out of here before it's 900 degrees. Um, I have the DNA of a potato, so I need to be in cool, dark places. So um, so I'm probably going to talk fast, so hang on. Buckle up. Here we go. All right. So last week, Pastor Anthony shared a lot about the, this idea of the cloud and how... Um, how we need to be looking for the cloud and how he puts people in our, God puts people in our lives to be hope. A couple questions or thoughts that I had when I was listening to the message, because I wasn't here, I was listening online, was one, why did you take your shirt off when you ran down the mountain when it was raining? Um, that was one big question I had. Um, two, we talked about not talking about going on hikes anymore. That's very much trauma for me, going on hikes with Pastor Anthony. Um, but in all seriousness, what really struck a chord about me was that God does put people in our lives to offer hope and to see hope. And sometimes we can't see that hope. So there's people in our lives around us that can be the hope bringers. And then also God reminded me is that I need to be a hope bringer as well in other people's lives. So not just about me, but it's about me being a hope bringer to other people's lives. Um, Last week, we left off with Ahab and Elijah running to uh, Jezebel. They were running. They were going ahead. And so we're just going to kick off here, 1 Kings 19, 1 through 8. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then we're going to dissect it a little bit. And this is a great story. I love, I was telling Pastor Anthony that I really love preaching on, on this story because it's like teaches itself. So basically I can just read to you guys. You guys get what you need to get out of it and we can go, okay? So I'm um, really going to challenge you guys today. No, just kidding. You're not so lucky. Um, so 1 Kings 19, 1 through 8, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all the things that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if, you, if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. One of them is one of the, one of the 400 prophets that he killed, that were killed um, during that whole fire from heaven, Baal thing. Um, verse 3 says, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word, God. And as we dissect this and dig in, God, I do pray that you will steal our hearts, God, that you will help us to hear what you have for us. Help us to um, not leave this place or not leave watching online the same way that we came in or started watching. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's so much to break down here. And um, Elijah is on this high, right? He just saw the cloud. The rain was coming. He was like, yes, this is going to be so great. And um, as I was reading that passage, because sometimes my mind goes all different areas and all different places, um, I just thought of this as like he was so excited that he brought this rain. But did he realize that God brought the rain, not him? And so he was looking for this praise. He was looking for this hero return. He was so excited. He was so ready to receive all this praise that he brought this rain. And so my mind was like, um, God is the one that brought the rain, not him. And so he was ready to get this rude awakening. And so in verse 2, it says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I don't make your life as one of them by the time this time tomorrow. And so he didn't get a hero's welcome like he was expecting. He didn't get the praise and the, oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. That's so great, like he was expecting. But instead what happened, he fled for his life because she's like, I'm going to kill you. So he got scared. And I don't know about you, but many times I've found myself in the situation where God does something so amazing and so great, and he uses me to do it, and I get so excited. I'm just expecting all this, oh, that was so great. But really what I face is opposition, or I run into a wall, or I've never had to flee for my life, but I find myself in this rude awakening. We're expecting smooth sailings, but all of a sudden a storm comes, and we get lost in it, or we get upset about it because we didn't get what we were thinking we should deserve. And so here uh, Elijah leaves his servant and goes off by himself. And what's funny to me is that this servant was most likely the servant that he sent to go look for the cloud. So this servant was the one who he got to see the miracle that he, he told Elijah, the cloud's here. You know, he used the servant to give that hope to Elijah. But Elijah sends him away. And then he's all, he finds himself all alone. And later on, we're going to talk about how he says he's all by himself. But just like we learned last week in the message is that we need people. We need people to remind us sometimes of that cloud. We need people in our lives. And so Elijah finds himself in this depressed state because he's, one, he's all alone. And, two, he didn't get what he thought he deserved. Now, sometimes I know it's good to be by yourself. I know there's a lot of my friends that are, like, introverts that just want to be left alone. I'm like 90 extrovert, 10% introvert. So sometimes I do like to be by myself, but as long as there's somebody in the next room, then I'm fine. I don't like to be alone. Um, but in this case, it wasn't healthy for him because he was really suffering here. He was really struggling, and he was like, just let me die. I'll just go. Let's like laying out today at 5 o'clock and going, all right, God, I did it. Just let me die. But God's like, no, I'm going to take care of you. Verse 4, it says, but he went by himself a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. 
Verse 5 says, he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was at, a head, at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to the Mount of God. So he goes off into the wilderness like we just talked about. And um, immediately I was like, man, who does this sound like? And then I'm like, it sounds like me. So we always read scripture. I'm like, man, that's just like so-and-so. I can just, that's, oh, man, they're struggling there. But sometimes we need to get the mirror and be like, that's just like Ladina. She's struggling there. Sometimes we have this up and down and up and down, just like Elijah. We're the same. But God did this amazing thing for him. And then he's just ready to give up and throw in the towel. And um, there's been so many times, I can't even tell you, I know I've talked about it sometimes, is that I have meetings with Pastor Anthony, and I'm just like, I'm done. I quit. I'm over it. Literally this week. Um, I'm like, I'm done. I'm quit. I've stayed too long. I'm over it. It's done. And he's like walking me off the ledge. But, I mean, we all have those times in our life where we're just ready to throw it. So I'm publicly apologizing now for being Elijah in that moment. Um, but, um, but the great thing about here is throughout the whole Bible, we see God's redemptive story. He takes care of Elijah. He makes sure he has food. He makes sure he has water. He makes sure that he's able to sustain himself and survive. And to this next point where God tells him, where he goes. And so I just think that sometimes we need to remember that even though we might be going through something, we might be in the pit, we might be in despair, we might be laying in the desert asking God just to kill us because we're just done and we're over it and we can't go any further. But God is right there with you. He's saying, hey, look, I have this for you. I want to give you this. Come, take my hand. I'm going to lead you to this next place. And we have to remember that God has called us to listen to him and to follow him, not to listen to ourselves and to follow ourselves and our own wants and our own desires. Um, in verse 9, it says, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And right away, I get this thought that what, God's asking him what he's doing here. So, like, he's not supposed to be here. So, he's like, why are you here? Um, he's kind of pouting in this cave. He's hiding. He's upset. Um, he tries to justify himself to God. He kind of tells God, well, this is why, you know, look what you did. Look what I've done. We're going to read that in a second. But it just, again, reminds me of like Moses and it reminds me of Adam, like blaming Eve. Like we always try to like justify our disobedience to God and blame God for that instead of like looking inside and being like, oh yeah, we messed up, not you. Um, so verse 10, he said, this is Elijah talking to God. He's like, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, for the people of Israel, your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets by the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now here again, he's like, look at everything I've done. Look at all the things I have accomplished. I have done, torn down altars for you. I have done this. No one is faithful in Israel. There's no one left. It's only me. I'm here. People are trying to kill me, God. Look at why would I do all that? Why did why did why did that happen? And he's like, I'm all alone. And again, this brings me back, like, you sent your servant away in the beginning. You told him to stay there. You could have had somebody with you who walked through this miracle with you, who walked through this despair with you. He could have been somebody who walked through, but you sent him away, Elijah, not God. And so he put himself in this 
position. And so here, Elijah just sees like the tiny picture. We get the whole Bible, so we see the big picture, but he just sees the tiny picture. But that's like our life too. We don't get to see the whole story, how it plays out. We just have the moment by moment by moment. And so sometimes we are Elijah, and sometimes we throw fits and don't like to um, take responsibility sometimes. But um, God has to like spell it out for Elijah. And Sometimes God has to spell it out for me. I'm sure I'm the only one, but he has to spell it out to him. And so in verse 11, he said, and he said, God, go stand out on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind... An earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And so God's saying, go out and stand and wait for me. And here Elijah witnesses all these big things. He witnesses earthquakes. He witnesses uh, fire and uh, strong winds, and it's breaking. The earth is literally crumbling and breaking. And Elijah's, like, looking for God in these big things, in these big acts. He's looking for God. But God isn't in those big things. And I'm going to read that passage again because I think we need to grasp this idea that God is not always in the big things. Where is God found in this passage? He's found in the small whisper. And so I'm going to read this again because I really want this to sink into our hearts this morning. It said, and, God, and he said, so God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in, in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. So where are we looking for our miracle? Where are you looking for your miracle? Are you looking for it in the big noise, the big earthquakes, the big fire, the, these big giant things? Are you like, oh, that can't be God because it's not loud enough. It's not big enough. Or are we looking for God in the still, small voice? And as I was reading this passage, it reminded me, like, how much have I allowed to come into my life that has drowned out the still, small voice? How much big noise have I allowed in my life that are maybe good things, but they're just noise? And God is, like, standing there whispering, trying to get my attention, but I can't hear him because I'm too distracted. Because I have my eyes fixed on something that he has not called me to fix my eyes on. And I think that that's where we're at this morning is that we need to ask God, what do I need to fix my eyes on? And what do I need to be doing, God? And where do I need to be at? Because God didn't, wasn't in the earthquake or the rocks that were shaking or the fire that was blazing. God wasn't in any of those things. I mean, we've seen fire and snow and ice. I don't think God was in those either. But... Um, but God is in the still, small whisper here. And in verse 13, and when Elijah heard it, the whisper, the small voice, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And here's Elijah again. He says, 
He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And this is really interesting to me because God's asking him again, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And then God tells him something. In verse, um, later on he tells him, he's like, he answers him. God answers him. So first time he allows him to like throw his little tantrum. I'm the only one left, blah, blah, blah. And then he says it again to God. And God didn't answer the first time. He said, you need to go this place or you need to go over here to the wilderness. But this time God gives him a response. And he says, and the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. So he's like, you're going to go. Now you need to go back. He's telling him, you're not alone. He's telling him, there is hope. Go back and anoint this guy to be king over Syria and Drew, Drew, Jehu to be the king over Israel. And then you're going to go get Elisha, and he's going to be the prophet in your place. This guy's going to take your place. So God tells him this in verses 15 and 16. He tells him to go and do these things. And then in verse 18, he said, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he was never alone in the first place. There were 7,000 people that had been faithful, that had remained faithful. But he was so caught up in his own self, he couldn't see that. God didn't tell him this in the beginning. He kind of let him have his moment. So God will let us have our fits. God will let us have our moments. God will let us, he'll watch us. It's like when you have a toddler or a child throwing a fit, screaming, banging their hands on the floor. You kind of sometimes just have to step back and let them have that for a minute. And then once they wear themselves out and are almost asleep from throwing their tantrum, and you're dying of embarrassment in the grocery store, you're like, okay, are you done now? <laughs> I mean, that's what most people do. I'd be like, get up right now. But God isn't, isn't Ladita, so that's good. So, um, but God didn't tell him in the beginning. He let him have his moment. And he, if he never had his despair in the desert, he may have never had the small voice in the cave. So sometimes we do have to go through things, and it is not fun. So sometimes there are things that we have to go through. But our moments of desperation bring us to a place where we're ready to hear the small voice. Because sometimes the things that need to be broken are inside of us. Sometimes the mountains that need to crumble are actually ones that we have built up inside of us. And we can't hear that small voice. But God needs, they need to be crumbled out. Um, and then God was just kind of asking me this question. He was saying, are you ready to hear my small voice. Are you ready to see that cloud? Because I believe that God has those things ready for us, just waiting for us to take that moment to step out and do it. He has called us. He has called us. We all have a purpose and a plan. And it's up to us to be like, okay, to put everything aside and be like, I'm ready now. And sometimes that's hard to let go of things like we've been talking about. Sometimes that's hard to give things away or give things up. I am right there with you. I have experienced that pain most of my life. It's hard to let go of things, especially when you're a control freak. It's hard. Um, but as the worship team comes, I just want to have this idea. I want us to kind of circle around this idea of that if we, if Elijah never had his moment in the desert, he may have missed the small voice in the cave. 
And today as we are going to be closing up and wrapping up here, we're going to sing another song. Um, I think we can all realize that we are all like Elijah. We all have highs and lows, and we're trying to find God out of desperation sometimes. We're trying to find God in these big places, loud places, or places where we're just trying to find him. We're trying to make him be in these places. And he really wants us to sit and wait on him in the still, small voice. He really wants us to carve out time in our day. This is like me right now. He wants me to carve out time in my day because I have time to give him that I can carve out, but I don't choose. So I choose to fill it with other things. But he's saying, Ladina, I need you to, I want you to sit with me and have this space in the still, small voice. Sometimes we have to get things to be shaken loose so that we can be hearing what he's called us to do. And so today, um, I just kind of want everybody to just kind of close your eyes and just focus in because I do believe God is calling us today to examine our hearts and find those areas that we need to be shaken loose, that we need to have those things that we have put in place of where God is removed out. And I think that God is waiting for us, standing there at that cave, just waiting for us. He's, all these things have passed by, and we're clinging to those things instead of clinging to Christ. And he has called us to cling to him and him alone. And as I was praying over the, how to wrap this up, and I was like, God, how do, how do I wrap this up? He was just reminding me of things that maybe I need to remove out of my life in order to make space for his still, small voice. Find ways to set apart space for him. And sometimes that is hard. I'm not, it's hard. I get it. It's hard. We are in a busy world, like Pastor Anthony talked about this morning. We're in a busy world. We have a lot of things going on. But that's not an excuse. And I'm not saying that to be harsh. I'm saying that to myself. It's not an excuse. Because he has called us to do greater things. And we're not able to do those things because we're not ready. We're not spending time with him. We're not investing in him like we should be. And so today as we wrap up this message and we sing out one last song, I'm just going to pray over us this morning. And I just ask you to ask God, examine, say, God, show me where those spaces are that I need to remove. God, I want to hear your small voice. Maybe you're ready and you're just like, I want to hear that small voice. God, I want to hear that small voice. Ask him. He'll show you. But be ready to take, you know, be ready for it because sometimes it's not fun. Most of the time. Elijah was ready for his life. The cost is high sometimes. So you need to be ready to count the cost. God, I just thank you for today. Lord, as we just concentrate and look at this story of Elijah and how he was desperate, he was scared, he was going through all this hard stuff, he was ready just to give up and throw in the towel, God. God, I pray that you will remind us, God, who you are. God, you're not in the noise. You're not in the... You're in the small voice, the still small voice. God, and I just am reminded of like Moses on the mountain when he experienced you, God. God, I just pray that as we uh, leave this place today, God, that we will remember that, God, you have loved us so much. That you sent your son for us, God. And that as we reach out, God, and say, God, we want to hear you. We want to experience that small voice, Lord. That you'll show us, God, things that we need to remove maybe. God, maybe we've been looking for you in the wrong places. Maybe we've been putting our faith in things that are actually not of you. And God, I pray you will crumble those today. 
I pray that you will show us things, God, and I pray that our eyes will be open and our ears will be open, God, and our heart will be open because I think some of us in this room today have closed their heart. Maybe they're tired of waiting. They feel like they've been waiting in the desert. They feel like they've been waiting for so long. God, will you just pour out your spirit today? And God, in this week, Lord, help us to have small voice moments. Help us have cloud moments, God, where we just experience you, God. And we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.